2 Timothy chapter 3, familiar passage of scripture. I, I want to start a series uh, this evening and uh, going in the weeks ahead, just a survey of the scriptures and get a big kind of overview. What I'll be doing each night is maybe pre- give an overview of a book of the Bible and then preaching on the, the key verses of that book. But before I get to that, I, I just want to give some of the important truths concerning the word of God. Most important book in all the world is the one you hold in your hand tonight, isn't it? Uh, the, inscri- the scripture, the inspired word of God. And we're going to look at that tonight. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And when you find that, go to first or 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. And 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Stand with me one time, if you would. 2 Peter 1 and verse 16 says this. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What a thing it must have been to be there and be a witness of what God did. Uh, specifically, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration that Peter would speak of. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, even more than the fact that they had been there and they had seen it. Whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved of the Holy Ghost. Second Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Lord, we love you. Bless our time together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm thankful for the Bible. How many of you have a, a specific verse maybe at, at one time or another God has used to speak to your heart? He's used it to be an encouragement to you, to convict you. Maybe it's a scripture that carried you through a, a tough circumstance. And I am so thankful for the Bible. I can't count the number of times when God gave me a verse in my personal devotions or in a message or a lesson that I heard that, that was exactly what I needed. Sometimes he gave it to me before I needed it. Anybody have God give you something before you needed it? And the next day, the next week, all of a sudden, you realize the Lord reminded you of something he had given you earlier and, and God carried you through. God gives us his incredible, incredible word of God. I, I don't know, we would be in trouble without the word of God, wouldn't we? In other words, you could look out at creation and you can see that there was a God, but you would have no clue who he was. <clears throat> I mean, you could look out and, at creation and see the detail of it and uh, all the details that go into it. And you can see there must have been a creator. There has to be a creator. There has to be a designer. You could look at it in creation. You could look at it in history. You could look within in our consciousness and say there must be him. But you would have absolutely no clue who he was. Can you imagine wandering through life knowing that there had to be someone who made you, but you know, have no idea who he was? You certainly would have no idea of what he did for you and how much he loved you. And yet it's in the scripture that we find out who he is. It's in the scripture that we find out how much he loved us. It's in the scripture we find out how to have a relationship with him, a home in heaven, and that one day we'll see him face to face. God uses it, the scripture, the incredible Word of God, the inspired Word of God. I just want to look at that, that truth tonight before we ever come down to studying through the book to just really understand it. 
The supreme author is the first thing, the supreme author. The Bible teaches us, and we believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of the Bible. I'm going to speak here in about a minute what that is. But the phrase, thus saith the Lord, and similar phrases are found over 3,800 times in the Old Testament. In case you wonder at the claims of who wrote it, the Bible over and over again in the Old Testament uses some phrase such as, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Over and over and over again, this book testifies of its author. And of course, in this passage of Scripture, we're reminded that it was the inspired of the Word of God. The first thing we see is the inspiration. Letter A, the inspiration. The word inspiration in 2 Timothy 3.16 is translated from a Greek word, which means God breathed. What God is saying is all Scripture, all Scripture is God breathed. The Bible says in Psalm 68.11, The Lord gave the word... And great was the company of those that published it. Of course, all scripture, that means the written word of God. That Greek word means the written word of God. 2 Corinthians 2.13 says, Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Galatians 1.11-12, But I certify unto you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us that this book is the God-breathed word of God. Lord makes no doubt as to where it's come from. I mean, you can look through its effect in, throughout the history and you can know this must be a divine book. But scripture reminds us that this book is unlike any other book in the fact that it was God that gave it to us. How many of you enjoy reading? Any people, any folks that enjoy reading? I enjoy reading. And I've read some good books, books that I enjoy. And, but no book compares to this book, does it? No book compares to this book. This is the word of God given to us, breathed out by God to those men. It is a verbal, the, the inspiration, the verbal inspiration of God's word. The word of God is, is, is a God breathe. The word verbal means by means of words, in case you didn't know what that was. All right. 2 Timothy 23.2 says, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2.13, Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. They were the words that God gave them. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. You know what the Lord is telling us? That he gave them the words. This is important. Some people believe an inspiration is like what an artist might have demonstrated. They were inspired to do some great work of art. And, and so as they, inspi- they, they accomplish some great feat or some athlete who accomplishes some great feat just because they were inspired to do something. But that is not what God is, means when he says the word inspiration. He means the God breathe verbal word of God. That God would whisper in the ear or lean over into the heart of man and give them the words that they should write. That I could pick up this page and know that it's not the thoughts of Paul, but it is the thoughts of God. That he gave Paul these words to write that we would read tonight and he would give those over 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years that God would use to give us the incredible and inspired word of God. God has given us his word. It is an inspired word. It is a verbal word. It is a word for word that he gave man. The word plenary means full. It means it's referring to the full that all of it came from him. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word, the full word of God. We believe in the plenary, the full verbal word for word inspired word of God that God leaned over and he gave those men word for word, his word. Not some thought that he randomly gave them, but he gave them the actual word of God. It's it's not a natural inspiration or some folks that were, were moved to do some great work. It's not a partial inspiration in terms of, well, parts of it are the word of God. It's not a conceptual inspiration that means that some of their thoughts, that God gave them the thoughts and they put the words down. No, it is the very word of God. It's not that the word of God becomes the word of God when it speaks to your heart. It is the word of God regardless of what you do with it. It is the inspired word of God. He reminds us there's no book like this book that God would give us his inspired word. I think how incredibly important that is to have in our life that, you know, there's other books that can grow dusty on ourselves. And some of them probably should grow dusty on ourselves, but this one never should. Because it is his word. It is the inspired word of God that God leaned over and gave these folks the very words that they should write. He inspired his word. It is the supreme in its author. Then we see the sanctified writers that God would use. Those verses there again, go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, he says this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men or man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake. God's preparation God had set apart a special group of men to write the 66 books of the Bible. Isaiah and Jeremiah and even Paul recognized this when they said this. Isaiah said in Isaiah 49.1, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Galatians 1, 15 through 16. But when it pleased God, who separated me from his mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. God over and over again has chosen men or you chose these 40 different men to give us the inspired word of God. He's given it to us. He's prepared them. I, I think of how he would use each one of them individually. You ever read through certain books of the Bible and notice the difference in the people? Same, same I matter of fact, you'd come over to our orchestra tonight and if you were to pick up a trumpet or if you were to pick up a, a flute or whatever, you could have the same person go from the trumpet to a saxophone to the flute and you could have the, if you will, you could have the same breath And the same note, but a different sound, couldn't you? In the personality, if you will, of the instrument. In other words, that same note and that same breath would take upon the personality a little bit of the trumpet or of the saxophone, but it would be delivering the same same note from the same breath, but God would allow and use that person that was there. And boy, God has done an incredible work when the same sound or the same breath the same note, and yet he used the different men of the scripture to give us his inspired word. The book of John, my favorite gospel, John, it was said of John that he was an ignorant and unlearned man, not that he wasn't referring to him as being a stupid man, but he was a, he was a normal man, he was a tradesman, and yet they could tell that he had been with Jesus, and God would use John with a 600-word vocabulary. 
The 600-word vocabulary to give us the Gospel of John with some of the most profound truths you'll have in the Bible stated so very simply. John 3.16, the most common, the most well-known verse in all the world given by that, 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 that disciple of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The book of Revelation, not by Paul, but by John. First, second, and third John, those great passages of Scripture on the love of God, you'd see it differently, and then you'd see how God would use folks like Paul probably the most learned of, of all of the ones that he had chosen and, and how he would write and you'd see it in his writings over and over again. But it came from God. It was the breath of God. It was the note of God. But God used those men and he had prepared those men throughout all of history so that you and I could have in our hand the inspired word of God. It's an incredible book. God's wisdom unfolds in this book. You see the, the inspiration in God's wisdom Daniel 12, verses 8 through 9, Daniel said this, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God would use men to write things that they couldn't fully understand that would come true many, many years later. Daniel would specifically write that he did not understand some of the things that God gave him. And what he didn't understand was the prophecies that he wrote. And yet you could look far into the future and see them unfold well beyond his time. Three, over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament alone, speaking of, the life of Christ, that were filled and fulfilled. And those men would write of those things and not even, under, not even understanding of which they wrote. But the reason was they were just the pen. They weren't the author. I think of how Moses would write in Genesis about the creation of the world. Who would give him that? Well, God would give him that. Who would give those writers those incredible prophecies over and over again in the Old Testament concerning Christ? Well, God would give them. They may not understand it, but they wrote it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a, one of the proofs, if you will, of the inspiration of God, that God could use men to write of things that they could not understand, that many years from that date would be fulfilled in Christ and in the prophecies of his word, that we could look back and say, boy, I know that I have an inspired word of God. A road of which they did not understand, and it was the wisdom of God unfolding the pages that you hold in the Scripture, reflecting the inspiration of God. God's plan through inspiration. God's inspired the writers of Scripture to write some things of which they had been eyewitnesses. John 14, 26 says this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. That's in one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Paul, Lord would tell John, he said, I'm going to give you the comforter and he's going to, he's going to bring all these things to your remembrance. You know, it's John. The gospel of John is one of those 70 years later, probably maybe up to 90 years after that event uh, later in the life of John, God would come to him and say, I want you to write the gospel of John. And he would go back and he record that conversation with, that he had with the, the disciples had with the Lord in chapter 14, 15, and 16. And the prayer that God had in chapter 17 and all of those events and record those things. How is it that a man could look back probably some almost 70 years later and record that conversation? God had already told him. The Holy Spirit, the comfortable, will bring all things to your remembrance. He had, he had reminded him of the scripture. 
They were eyewitnesses to what God had done, but more than eyewitnesses, because even more valuable than the eyewitness account is the inspiration of God's word. He would say again in 2 Peter, Peter would say it, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Then he would make this statement, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in the dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. He said, we have a more sure, he said, I was there, John was there, we were there, we saw it happen, but even more important than the fact that God let us there and God let us see it, is that God has given us his word to be recorded. The inspired word of God. Can you imagine that? I mean, how incredible is it that God would say even more than Peter or James or John was there at the Mount of Transfiguration and saw it happen is the fact that God went back and gave them the words to write that day. You know, it's better for you to have a hand, a copy of the scripture in your hand than it would for you have to been to eyewitness Calvary. That's what that verse is telling me. It is better for you to have a copy of of the reliable word of God than it would have been for you to see it yourself. It's more, it's better for us to have a copy of this word than it would if we could bring Peter and stand him right here and James and stand him here and John and stand them here and let them rehearse to you what they had seen. Better than that is the inspired word of God that you hold in your hand. It is his word. It is his word and he... It has a supreme author, not a work of man, but a work of God. And God is the author of it. Men were the writers of it, those who penned it. God's truth in his word. And one of the evidences of the inspiration of God's word are the things that are recorded in it. I don't know about you, but but if I were Peter, I probably wouldn't have spoke much about the night I denied Christ. If I were Moses, there are certain things I would have left out of the, those first five books of the Bible. Some of those authors, they speak of things in their life that a man would not really want to go on. If you think about it, why David writing that Psalms 51 as he confesses his sin before God with Bathsheba, who in this room would let another one of us into your prayer time when you go to confess the sin that shames you before God? None of us would do that. You wouldn't let this preacher into your prayer time when you get alone with God and you've brought some sin that has brought incredible shame to your life and lift that up before the Lord. You, you wouldn't let us into that. But that's what happens in Psalms 51. God lets us see that, that prayer of, of David as he confesses his sin with Bathsheba before the Lord. Man doesn't do that, but God does that. God does not hide from us the, the sinfulness of man, the fallibility of man, John 17, 17 reminds us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth. God, God declares the truth. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God lets us see in the scripture that these men were fallible, sinful men. And that's not a work that a man does. That is a work that God does. The wisdom of God, that as God lets these things unfold from Scripture, we see, his, we see the supreme author and the inspiration, the verbal word and the plenary full word of God and the men that he used to, to give that preparation of them, the wisdom that he gave them, the plan that was there and the truth that was there. Then we see these specific proofs. Here's just a few of them, but 
Some of the proofs of inspiration, specific proofs, there's, oh, well, I didn't record them. There's over 300 prophecies concerning Christ. But here's just a few of the fulfilled prophecies of the Bible. Christ's virgin birth, obviously the first time that's given is in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It's the only time in the Bible when the Lord speaks of the seed of a woman because the seed comes from a man. Why did he speak the seed of a woman? It was the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ who had bruised the head of the serpent. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, in the book of Luke, the Christmas story, we see that the Lord was born of a virgin and a woman named Mary. Prophecies given thousands of years prior, fulfilled in the New Testament. Christ's birthplace, Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of, all, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is the ruler in Israel, whose, going forth is from, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Luke 2, 4. And Joseph went up out of Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Prophecy. Christ's forerunner. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it speaks of John the Baptist, that the Lord would have a forerunner. John 1, 23, we see those same words describing John the Baptist. Christ's hands and feet to be pierced. In Psalms 22, it says, For dogs have come past me. The assembling of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. John 20, 25, the other's disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but... He said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of his nails, and put my fingers in the prints of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Christ cried at the cross in Psalms 22, 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Casting lots for Christ's vesture. Psalms twenty two eighteen. They part my garments among them and cast lots. Upon my vesture, Matthew 27, 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that, he may, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. I won't read the remainder of these. But over 300 times, friend, concerning the life of Christ, a prophecy was given, and in the New Testament it was fulfilled. And yet God would use over 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years to give us those things. I can't remember the exact numbers, but they say mathematically it would be as if you covered the state of Texas with a foot of silver dollars and marked one of them and blindfolded a man and sent him out there to find that one coin. He got one shot to pick up that marked coin. The chances that all of those things could be fulfilled mathematically in that is about that point, friend, because it was not a work of man. It was a work of God. It is a work of God that God would give us his incredible word, the inspired word of God. In its prophecies, the we see it in the scientific accuracy of the Bible. Though the Bible is not a, not a book of science, it definitely includes scientific fact that man took a long time to figure out. Moisture in the atmosphere goes through a cycle of evaporation and condensation. Psalms 135.7, He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for rain, and he bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. The earth is spherical in shape, Isaiah 40.22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Boy, man was trying to figure that out for a while. The earth rotates upon its axis, Job 38, 13 through 14, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as a clay to the seal. The earth would spin that way. The earth suspended in space. 
Job, without a telescope, would say in Job 26, 7, he stretcheth, out the north, or he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Boy, he never made it. It wasn't Elon Musk. He never made it into space, and yet he had that from God. Tides vary in the late evening and early morning hours. Job 26, 10, he that compasseth the waters with bounds until the day and the night come to an end. The stars cannot be numbered. The Bible says in 30, Job, Jeremiah 33, 22, as the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered. In 130 BC, a fellow counted one, I'm going to say a fellow because I can't pronounce his name, all right? 1,000, I'll, I'll show it to you later if you want to see it. 1,022 stars he counted. In AD 200, someone told him he was wrong, he counted 126 stars, or 1,026 stars. We know man would stay today, they cannot be counted. God said they couldn't be counted long before man ever figured that out. The atmosphere has weight, Job 28, 25, to make the weight for the winds. Brother McCormick, you mentioned this earlier, the blood sustains life, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Over and over and over again, the Bible proves something. It had a divine author. It had a divine author. It is not something that some man could pick, sit down with pen and paper and put together. It is a work of God. The inspiration of God. And it, it, is a, it is a, a supreme, has a supreme author. It has a set apart men and it, has, it does a supernatural work. Look at the work that it does in our life and we'll be finished tonight. First of all, there's a saving power to his word. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 10, 17 tells us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? The word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Hey, for by grace are you saved through faith. What is that faith resting in? Is it some random faith? No, friend, it's a faith in, the, in what God has said in his word that saves a man. Then it, when it declares a man a sinner, they believe that they're a sinner. When it declares that there is a heaven and a hell, they believe that there is a heaven and a hell. When it declares that Jesus was the son of God, that he lived his life without sin, that he died on the cross and he rose again, they believe it. When it declares that it's a free gift, we believe it. When we declare what it says about him, we simply accept it by faith and a soul is saved. Why, does, why are scriptures assembled on a Thursday morning? Because somebody needs it. Why will missionaries come through here in February? Because people need the word of God. Why will we go out and knock on the doors? Because people need the word of God. They need someone to share the gospel, the word of God with them that they might know Christ. Because without it, you cannot even be saved. Why does, God, why does the devil hate it? Number one, he hates God. Because he hates God, he hates your soul. You'd like to see it rot forever in a lake of fire. So over and over again, since the very beginning, he has assaulted God's word with everything that he can to bring doubt to it and question mark to it. But it is God's word. There's a sanctifying power to God's word. We looked at this in our Sunday school, in our Sunday school meeting tonight, but Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick. It's alive and powerful. It can change a man. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It does a work in a man's heart and the joints in the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of, a heart, of the heart. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. The word of God will... 
When someone puts their faith in what it says of our God, it'll save a man. The word of God, when someone hides it in their heart and learns it and lives it, it'll change a man. It'll change a man. Does a sanctifying work. This book is unlike any other book in the world. Friend, you could load yourself with book after book and and grow knowledgeable and put it ever in your head and those books never change your life. But this book will change you one way or the other. It'll either draw you closer to God or it'll push you further from him because you cannot remain neutral with his word. When it comes in and speaks, it'll, you will either believe it and be drawn near to the Lord or you'll reject it and go further from him. You cannot remain in neutral territory with God's word. It will not return void. It changes a man. For most of us, I would hope that you could look back at the day you were saved and say, my life is different. And what is at the root of that difference? This what book? The work of the Holy Spirit as someone takes a hold of the word of God. There's no other book like it. We declare ourselves as Baptists and as Baptists we say this, we believe in Bible authority and all may it matters of faith and practice. Am I right? The being Baptist is the Bible. We say this is it. This is God's word. This is what God has said. It is the inspired word of God. It is verbally, he gave it verbally. It is plenary, it is full, and it is the God-breathed word of God. And God had set apart a group of men that he would use in miraculous ways to give us the incredible truths of God's word. And as you turn its pages, its proofs become evident, whether it's in nature, whether it's in history, whether it's in prophecy, this is God's word. And as a person grabs a hold of it, it has the power to save a soul and to change a soul change our life, to shape us and conform us into the image of his dear son, has an equipping power. Those verses again, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, friend, what will equip you, prepare you, and ready you for this life? God's word. Do you know what will equip you, prepare you, and ready you for the next one? God's word. What is the statement about Bible? It stands for um, basic instructions before leaving earth. It readies us, whether it's through salvation, so we can avoid the, the great white throne judgment, or whether it's in preparation in our heart, because one day you and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be held accountable for the way we've lived our life. And what has he's given me to prepare me for that day? His word. His word. I tell you, the best friend you have in life is his word. The thing you ought to help carry with you is his word to memorize it, to meditate upon it. This is his word. Friend, when you think about who his word, it's no wonder he says to read it, to give attendance to it. To study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needest not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's no wonder he said to search it. It's no wonder he said to meditate upon it day and night. It's no wonder he said those things because it's how we know God. The incredible word of God. And there's no book like this book. There'll never be another book to it. And by the way, we'll look at this another night. There's not going to be a second volume of it. This is it. He's given us everything we need. 
in his word. Everything I need for life is in his word. The Holy Spirit of God within. I think about it when I preach, I mention to it. There's a Holy Spirit that lives inside of this preacher that moved in the day that I was saved. There's a Holy Spirit that's inside of you tonight that came, moved in the day that you were saved. And there's this Bible you hold in your hand that the Holy Spirit inspired. Is not our prayer tonight that as a preacher preaches from a book that the Holy Spirit inspired, that Holy Spirit who saved and works in him would work through him as his word is preached and that Holy Spirit in your heart would teach you the incredible truths of this book. And friend, as you walk out of the door tomorrow, before you walk out of the door, you remember something. There is a book in your home that is unlike any other book. It was given to you by the inspiration of God that God thought it so important that he leaned over to Moses and said, write. He leaned over to David and said, write. Leaned over to Asaph and said, write. Leaned over to Paul and said, write. And, and John and said, write. And over and over again, over 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years and said, write. Because my people need it. It will save their soul. It will change their life. It will prepare them for an eternity. This book. It will encourage our soul. We all testified to it. How many times has God used his word to give us an encouragement? Why? Because it was some pretty saying. Because amazing quote. I've heard some good quotes. They're just quotes. Unless it comes from the Bible. It's more than a quote from some man. I heard a quote by a football player the other day. It says, for the man to live, the boy must die. I thought that's, a, that's one to go use over there on those young people. For the man to live, the boy must die, right? Just a quote by some man. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that one's from God. That one's from God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's from God. For God so loved, hey, how about, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That one's from God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That one's from God. It's his word. And he leaned over. He said, write this book. Friend, it is a precious book. It is a precious book. The world needs it. The world needs it, don't they? So we organize, we give, we plan, and we prepare that we can send, that we can go because the world needs it. But in all our business of making sure the world gets it, don't you ever forget how much you need it as well. I need it. My salvation is settled, but I'm coming to see my Jesus one day. And this book has everything I need to be ready for that day when I see my Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your word. I'm thankful for an inspired word of God that we can hold tonight and know that it is your word. It's not a work of man. It's not some fellows who got together and decided to write a book. No, this is one by a divine author. You had some chosen men that you planned and that you would use to write your word. Lord, you've proven to it to us in your word over and over again, whether it's through prophecies or science. And even history has proven its, its realities in terms of historical fact. But Lord, even more so what it does in our life, what it did for me in my life that day that I came to know Christ as my Savior, changed my life. What it has done for me since then, I pray that we would not neglect your word. Lord, that we would read it, we'd study it, we'd memorize it, we'd meditate on it, we'd live it, we'd love your word. 
Lord, in our life. Where we have neglected it, forgive us and draw us near to you through your word. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And let me just ask you this one. First of all, do you know you're saved? It's, it's Wednesday night. And how many of you could say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I, I, there was a time in my life when I believed what the scripture said about the Lord and I came to know him as my savior. That's a settled thing for me. That's your testimony. Would you raise your hand just between you and I, Lord? You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. you. May put your hand down. Is there anybody say, preacher, I'm unsure about my salvation. I'm, I'm unsure. Anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, preacher, I'm unsure. Let me ask you this then, Christian. Let me say, how many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. I, I know what I have preached tonight is not new for many of us. You've been around God's word for a long time and heard some other wonderful preachers preach God's word. But, but how many of you, maybe you'd say it's fresh tonight. The Lord reminded me in my heart what I have in the scripture. Maybe you've neglected it. Maybe because it is so common in our life, it has become common to you. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart through the message this evening. That's your testimony. Would you raise your hand? And would you stand with me as the pianist plays, as God has spoken to your heart? Time of invitation. And <clears throat> I think it's just time to pray and thank God for his word. And maybe to set an appointment. Uh, maybe it's some renewed study God would call you to. When's the last time you chose a book of the Bible to study or doctrinal truth from it or some principle from it? When's the last time you really just studied it? But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this evening. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come into thy freedom gladness and light Jesus I come to thee out of my sickness into thy health out of my want and in to thy wealth out of my sin and into thyself Jesus I come